Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Questions. Welcome back, everyone, to the Flow Track Podcast. I'm Kevin Sully, joined by Gordon Mack. We also got a special guest in Gordon's house. It is a bird that will be chirping for the duration of the episode. Gordon, good morning to you and your your new pet. I didn't know you got one. I I do not have a new pet. I just have thin walls, and I live basically in a giant forest filled with birds. Like yesterday morning, I went out to the my front porch and there was probably like 50 birds just hanging out and like 10 squirrels. I think there's something about the tree that's near near my house that maybe has some good bird food in it. I don't know, Mm. but there's a lot of birds around me. So I think it's bird season and uh, I apologize for their chirping, but it's fine. So they're outside, not inside. They're outside. There's no birds inside. I don't keep birds inside my house. That's also a weird pet. When you think about it, a pet bird you're just like telling them you can't do the one thing you want to do. Like it's just, why do people have pet birds? It's a weird pet. So you're pro birds spreading their wings and flying. Yes. I mean, what do you think? Like cat, dog, that makes sense. Do like, even like the like turtle and like iguana, like the little reptile, reptile pets. We just keep them in like a illuminated casing. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. Fish, that doesn't make sense. But fish don't know. I think fish are they don't know that they're trapped. So I think that's fine. But birds do. Birds definitely know they're trapped. They're like in okay. a cage. Yeah. Well, so are the fish. They're in a box, a rectangle. Yeah, but the fish's brains have no idea. They think they're in the the wide open sea. You know, okay. they forget that they're in. Yeah, I think fish are dumb. That's what I've heard. If you have, if you have a gigantic koi pond, that's one thing. But if you just have a little tiny tank, that's that's tough. Yeah, I'm not a big I'm not a big pets guy in general. I've had to have that conversation with my kids a couple times. Luckily, my son is very allergic to dogs, so that was a really short conversation. Of hey, remember last time you touched a dog at a park and your face was swollen for twelve hours? 
so we can't do that anymore. My daughter's not, but she lives with my son. So that's just the reality of it. Uh, the email address, flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. We'll get to some emails today because people wrote in responding to the comments about what they would do if they were in charge of promoting Eugene 2022. And the goal was to get the most interest on the world championships in the United States. We'll read some of those emails. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, feel free to chime in in the comments. Say nice things about Gordon. Um, there's a couple stories I want to get to here. Uh, first of all, we got half marathon world record attempt. It appears in the works in Valencia because everything is a half marathon attempt. We have a new runner joining Pete Julian's group. And then back to the half marathon, we got a situation where World Athletics is not ratifying the women's half record, the current record. And then Rotterdam Marathon, which is this weekend uh live on live on flow track um do you want to start there gordon with the rotterdam marathon we got a pretty pretty solid field here the field's always good in rotterdam uh, on the men's side kip serum is the course record holder he's entered 204 11 and then bashir abdi of belgium coming off the the bronze medal in tokyo set to race yeah the uh the season of marathons every weekend continues we're Rotterdam Marathon is this weekend. Uh, last weekend we obviously had Paris and the Cape Town. Next weekend it's gonna be Frankfurt Marathon. Then the weekend after that's New York City. It's just marathon after marathon after marathon. The Rotterdam Marathon is live on Flow Track for U.S., Canada, United Kingdom, and Australian viewers. So if you live in one of those four countries, you can watch it live on Flow Track. So if you're from Jamaica, we apologize. But we will we'll, we will get back to you with the results we'll just, <laughs> because you can't watch it live. So, we'll make anyway. it up to you at some point. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm very obviously interested in Abdi, right? Like coming off of the, the Olympic performance. This is a fast course. So he already has a really good PB of, of sub 205. But I want to see what he does after the best race of his career in in tokyo and the field is always deep there on the women's side of things not the big names uh that exist on the men's side but perhaps there's a, a potential breakthrough brewing there on the women's side so we'll talk about that one on on monday um women's half women's half marathon has gotten very interesting so over the past couple of years the women's half marathon world record seems to be broken every couple months uh but the most recent world record by uh, Yelamzerf Yehuelah from Ethiopia appears to have not been ratified, Gordon, by World Athletics. Um, apparently, there's been some reporting that her 6342 was done on a course that was short, so it will not be certified. So the record will instead stay with uh, Ruth Chepnegich um above 64 minutes and where this really gets interesting is Yahuwah is set to run this weekend in a half marathon in Valencia uh, against Latensipet Gidey who obviously is the world record holder at 15k 10k um and has tons of potential at the half marathon so a little bit of a little bit of uh intrigue going into a, a half marathon world record uh, attempt this weekend so the course was found to be 54 meters short and she ran 
18 seconds faster than the world record, right? Yeah, 63.44, world record 64.02. Do you think she could have ran another 54 meters in under 18 seconds? Yes. Otherwise, she would have had to have fallen down and slowed down at that pace. However, for the purposes of records, you have to run the time. Now, if this was just you and a friend and a couple of buddies sitting around and saying, ah, man, I ran this course, turned out to be 54 meters short, but can you give me credit for being a sub 64 minute half marathoner? I'd probably say, yeah, you probably still would have got it done. But for the purposes of the world record, the distance has to be the distance. Otherwise, where do you draw the line? Do you have to do a mathematical formula every single time to figure out what pace it would have been at? What if it was 12 and a half miles? You got to draw a line somewhere. It's a bummer. Is this the equivalent of a college man running 342 in the 1500 and then calling himself a sub four miler? I think it's the equivalent to them running that fast at a track that's later deemed to be short. Which, you know, you got some suspicions out there. <laughs> no, I, I think it's it stinks because she obviously had the ability to put down a huge time and you want to make sure that you have a ratified course. I don't I think they're gonna go sub sixty-four this weekend. And I think that record was potentially gonna get broken anyway. I think Gaday is just almost a lock to smash this mark anyway. But it's just interesting that the news comes out right before we have this we have this run. So does this mean the the mark is just doesn't exist? Like, correct. She, like at all? It's not even like an unverified mark. So we might get the. Sometimes they put the little asterisks by it, or I know on all time athletics they have that that category where it's like suspicious performance or non certified course or something like that. But for the purpose of the record books, yeah, it doesn't exist. So it goes back to. Ruth uh, Chebnegich's mark, like I said, which was 64.02 from Istanbul, which was earlier this year. You only need to go back four more months to get to the world record. So it doesn't even count as like, I feel like they need a, so she's now, that mark does not exist in the top 10 anymore. I think once they explain that it was short, I mean, let me look at the... Yeah, I, I mean, there's, they give a, a little asterisk here on all-time athletics for uncertified course or uncertain certification. But at this point, it's not uncertain. It's certain, or it is about to be certain that it was short. So why would you, why would you keep it in there? I guess, well, this is be, because it equates to a faster time. I guess you could put it in its own little category and say, hey, FYI, this time would have been the world record if the course was measured correctly based on what we know about running. However, there's so little need to do this because it's the women's half marathon and it's going to get broken several more times in the next 12 months. So we're going to forget about this, uh, if not this weekend, shortly after. Well, I want to keep thinking about it one more for a little more moments because, all right. Okay, go ahead. If she would have ran 64.10 on this yep. course, the shortened course, that would have stayed in the record books because they wouldn't have tried to ratify it. You don't try to ratify 
non-world records. So if she would have ran 64.10, she would have forever had that on her resume in the record books as a top 10 performance all time. But because she ran fast, the fastest all time, then they start looking at it. So mm -hmm. the person, okay, here's, it seems kind of weird, right? That we're only measuring courses that result in world records. Isn't that kind of weird? And also, no. how do you, why are we measuring well, it after the fact? Why don't they measure it before yeah. the fact? That's a good, that's a good question. That is, that's the question. Maybe they didn't think that the world record was in the offing and she ran it in a, in a race that doesn't see record attempts too. If she had run it in a Prague or Vienna or, or Istanbul or Valencia, there would have been more of an assurance that it would have been accurate. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me that they didn't measure it until after the fact, just because it's difficult to measure every single course. It's more surprising that uh you'd you'd commit to it uh without knowing but look she put her faith in the meat organization the race organization to make sure it was the full distance which i don't blame her for doing that i think that most people would do that but you're right there probably should be some sort of uh, safeguard against this so you don't run 13.05 miles before finding out it's too short if you're her, how do you feel about it? You're probably, are you like devastated? Well, you're bummed, but the good news is you have to wait, what, two days before you can break it again. So you don't need to stay motivated for very long. You got this, you got this Valencia race where you have top flight competition. And I'm sure the Valencia course is fast because every course in Valencia and fast, probably everything in Valencia is fast. Probably the service at the restaurants is fast. The cars probably drive fast. Just everything coming from Valencia over yeah. the past couple of years has been fast. So this is the golden opportunity. I would double check with the race management ahead of time and get them to pinky swear that it's the full distance. Because if you do this again, then I'd be really pissed. So I'd get them to sign a sworn affidavit that they've measured it 12 times with uh, four different Garmin's uh, steel measuring tape, wet bulb thermometer, four different cars, and every single uh, precaution is taken to make sure that it's the accurate distance. But I'd feel okay. I feel okay because you get a chance to to right the wrong really quickly. Measuring it with a steel measuring tape will be cruel and unusual punishment in my mind. Imagine <laughs> having to like every 25 meters or every whatever, how long the measuring tape is, yeah. redo it again for 13.1 miles. That would be awful. Yeah. Listen, I would if I were her every single time I enter a race, and maybe more. Listen, courses have been short in the past, but this is a pretty high-profile example. Maybe this will force people to double, double, triple check, especially if they're gonna if they're doing it in a race that's not a traditional big half marathon or big marathon. Make sure you got it in writing ahead of time that this thing has been measured all the way. Now I know after world record. They go every, through everything with a fine-tooth comb and make sure all the precautions were taken. We've seen you know, records been disallowed because there wasn't drug testing at, at a venue, which is interesting because I'm guessing they had all that set up because they didn't say that was the reason it got tossed, but they didn't have their course sorted out. 54 meters is a decent enough distance to where you'd wonder, man, how closely did they track this thing? Is it though? It's 13. How, how many meters is a half marathon? How many meters is a 
21k, right? So 21,000? 21,000. I'm getting exactly. 21,097.5. So they were off. All right. So what's. I mean, it's not off by a ton. Oh, nine, seven, point five minus 54. They they ran 99.74% of the course. Yeah. Yeah. I guess what I mean by. Yeah. And that error margin is, is when you put it in those terms. Not that big, but I, I I guess what I'm saying is, and I'm sure there are, there's a lot at some sort of error because I'm sure there's courses that are wait what'd you say it is uh, twenty one thousand and ninety what what was the total twenty one thousand ninety seven point five meters yeah so I'm sure there's some that are ninety nine I'm sure there's some that are ninety two and probably eighty nine all I'm saying is fifty fifty meters is a significant enough margin to where it, it fell outside their their acceptable error rate. Question, do you think – so she's running in two days, right? She's going to run another mm-hmm. – she's like entered to run a half marathon? Yep, Sunday. Do you think she's going to have a meter on the finish line tape and that she's actually going to run an extra 54 meters just as a precaution and have like a second time? Just keep going keep for another like a hundred meters. It's like, hey, I, I know just in case it doesn't count, the clock is still going. I'm running. Think she'll keep do that? Strava rolling and then just submit your Strava if, time if if that one yeah. doesn't get accepted. Yeah. It's a good it's a good strategy. I just I just think Valencia's probably got all this stuff buttoned up on the front end. I know they'll go back and measure it again, probably, because that's I wonder what is the protocol. So like if someone sets a world record in Berlin marathon, do they go and remeasure Berlin every time? I don't think they do that. And how do they measure it? Like MapQuest.com. Probably taken. They just put like on MapQuest. I guess they, they just in... know. Yeah, MapQuest. Yeah, but like the barriers and all the like angles are all gone by the time they're there to ratify it. No, right. Right, and that's why they probably sorry. That's why they they a lot of that stuff gets done ahead of time, and they put that. You've seen those races where there, there's the blue line, and that's the line that they measure from. Like that's the that's the distance. So they're taking all the the usual turns, and that's you know you get all those debates about. It. Look at Galen Rupp; he's running the tangents out there. Uh, yeah, I don't. Admittedly, this is a blind spot for me. So we should get out there and measure yeah. the. The Eugene course for Worlds to make sure with the 25-foot uh, steel measuring tape. That's going to be yeah. my 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 goal by 2022. Your, your contribution. Uh, I've got a comment from Judson. He says, the 2007 Tallahassee Marathon got remeasured after first woman got Olympic trial standard. Ended up being 183 meters long. That's a huge difference. 183 meters long. That's tough. So oh, imagine, missing, imagine missing the trial standard and then it ended up being too long that's rough yeah 183 meters at that pace you know 50 50 seconds that's that's significant there all right well hopefully leads to the 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 world record getting broken this weekend this is how we solve the problem we come out with a system that is universal for everyone 
we have them like kind of run in a geometric shape, maybe say an oval. And we can kind of be like eight people wide and we'll make sure it's what, like a quarter mile long Mm -hmm. and we'll just be consistent and everyone will do that. And we'll have everyone just, we'll even have like the field events, do everything inside of that oval. And Mm -hmm. yeah, we just, we won't have any measuring issues because they'll be running on what, like a a 400 meter circle slash oval. Yeah. Yeah. I think that what if it's windy races on that. If it's windy, uh, what do we do we'll then? come up with a rule. We'll come up with a rule saying like, hey, if it's a certain meters per second over two, it doesn't count. Okay. I'll call it track and field. That's what we'll Is there it. some sort of track barrier to keep people from running inside the track? Taking yeah, it's this thing that just is notorious for twisting ankles in workouts. That's okay. that's what we call it, and then yeah. and what if someone steps over that, but they do it on a straightaway, and they weren't forced off versus someone who does it on the curve? Then what do we do? Call it the Robbie Andrews rule of twenty seventeen. <laughs> I think that happened. I don't know. There's yeah. There's too yeah. many. Yeah, I don't know. We just make sure that the British aren't in charge of the disqualifications like they were in Birmingham. The world indoors. That was ridiculous. Yeah. World indoors. Anyways. You were there for that. You got DQ'd. I know. A lot of people don't know I got that. DQ'd. From, the from DQs the got media, DQ'd. So. Dude, it was fun. It actually became like – you got every new DQ became more and more exciting because you're like, they're not going to do it again, and then they do it again. You're like, all right, that's enough. And then they're like, nope, we're DQing the winner this time. Oh, Paul Chalimo, you're DQ'd. You know. I, wanted to I remember shout – like false DQs to get everyone riled up, but I didn't have the heart to. But I was always like, the, I started making it my like, my duty to be like the first to report DQs. Because I was like, there's going to mm-hmm. be one. And I would like refresh, refresh. And like, we got a DQ. And it's like the guy from like Portugal that no one knows. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. sorry. But, you know, <laughs> there was like 30 plus DQs in the 2018 indoor championships. It was insane. Yeah, it was really, really difficult to watch because the race would finish and you'd have no idea what the result was and then you'd wait and be like oh more dqs and some of them were obvious and someone were some of them were just completely ridiculous that had no bearing on the outcome and a lot of them were in opening rounds the chalima one was in the yeah opening round am i remembering that right yeah well the chalima one was bullshit because he did exactly what mo farah did at the 2017 outdoor championships and Mo Farah did not mm-hmm. get DQ'd, but Paul Chalimo did. Both of these events happened in the United Kingdom. And I have a feeling <laughs> there was some bias. Or they use the same rules. I think it's no, funny I th- that they, they let Mo Farah get away with it and didn't let Paul Chalimo. That's what I think. I think it's funny that maybe officials don't think they DQ enough outdoors. So then when indoors rolls around, they say, This is my time. This is my season to shine. Let's just start getting the red cards out right and left. There's been too much abuse of the laws outdoors. We're gonna make we're gonna take command here. So it's like the end of the month for a police officer. They have to get their speeding ticket quota. quota. Yeah. yeah, these right, right. these meat officials are like, we need to get our DQ quota so we go all in on Birmingham indoor championships. Yeah. Wasn't some of it too Brazier got DQ'd because he cut in early. Wasn't it? Yeah, there's a bunch of that. There was, a lot, there was some confusion about where the cones were placed, right? 
as well. Yeah, and then it was also like right of way type bullshit DQs, like oh you cut off the athlete, and I was like, yeah. guys, it's like a f- six lane track. It's two hundred meters long. There's gonna be some movement, and you can't just yeah, it's unrealistic. Like they were trying to social distance before two three years before the pandemic. Basically, they're like, oh, yeah, no, yeah, you can't yeah. sit. Guys, stay six feet away from your competitors before you can pass them. It was stupid. It was, it was stupid. They were making it like that short track speed skating in the Winter Olympics where there's a million DQs, one fall and, and three DQs every single race. It's just – it becomes unwatchable at a certain point because then the person who crosses the line fourth wins the gold. You're thinking to yourself, what am I watching here? Okay. Enough of that. Enough reminiscing about the good old days, Gordon. So Valencia half on Sunday. <laughs> Rotterdam Marathon on Sunday as well. So a lot of road racing, as Gordon mentioned. Let's go back to the track, though, for a minute. News here that Shannon Osika has joined Pete Julian's group. Got a lot of new members recently. Pete Julian's group has. Jordan Hesse. And then also in the mid-distance side of things, Sinclair Johnson is there as well. So they got a pretty solid mid-distance contingent now uh, with Jessica Hole there as well. Osika, the fourth in 2016 at Michigan, stayed with uh, Coach McGuire, her coach at Michigan, and ran really well. She made the finals for the U.S. in the 1500 in 17, 18, 19, and 2021. She ran four flat. She was fourth this past year. A bit under the radar, Gordon, because she didn't win an NCAA title and she didn't join one of these high-profile groups. But I feel like we always say Shannon Osika's name at least once or twice every outdoor season because she's always in that mix. Yeah, there's always like those people who kind of just like, like you said, kind of go under the radar due to circumstantial circumstances of, you know, not having that marquee win. Um but she's always, I think she, I think you meant, she's always been making U.S. finals. And eventually one's going to open up. And you have to think, we've talked about this, women's 1500 with no Shelby Houlihan is wide open, right? You could, there's really two spots that are pretty much going to be anybody. I mean, Corey McGee and Heather McLean got those two spots, earned it 100% at the trials. But you don't look at those two athletes as like locks for the next three years, the way, you know. So I can I could I could think like just every year for the next four years, we're probably gonna have a different woman take one of those two spots. Mm-hmm. And so Shannon's kind of setting herself up for potentially going all in, switching coaches to try to be one of those two women to get that the second or third place finish at the USA trials and there's no guarantee that it'll happen there's no guarantee that it'll work just because you switch coaches doesn't mean you're going to get uh faster but this will obviously put her in this in this training group with these other two women who have run uh, very very fast you know right at right at four flat it's tough to get attention in that event if you go back and think about it this is the event that has had american record holders recently medalists names like roberry Houlihan, simpson and you're right now we're seeing a little bit of fraying of that for a variety of reasons and the opportunity is there for you know not just her but now her new training partner sinclair johnson but 
yeah, you obviously got to feel good about Perrier going into 2022, but the rest of those spots are are wide open. What do you think in general about uh, Pete Julian's group, which is still named Pete Julian's group? I feel like they need a name. They put out that commercial with all the waves crashing and the llamas and other animals staring at you and everything like that. They need a name. Let's get on that, please. But what do you think, think about their decisions for how they're adding adding folks? I mean, they're. I'm not against what they're doing. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of Switzerland. I have no really opinion. Uh, there's nothing that's like, whoa, like they don't. They're not like, hey, we're 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 signing three Bowerman athletes or something like that, right? Or like, yeah, taking like away from another group or, hey, we have, you know. I mean, who was like the best college kid coming? Up? Like, got Danny, got Danny Jones from mm-hmm. last year, right? So there hasn't been like a big splash, I would say. There hasn't been like a whoa moment, um, mm-hmm. but maybe at the end of this school year, there's gonna be a woman or two or a man or two who kind of are like that next big prospect, and they choose group or. Ritz's group over the group out, the Puma group out on the East Coast over Hoka, over Brooks Beasts. So they just have yet to really get the a wow person, you know. So right now they're kind of well, having the established that they already had, the NOP yeah. holdovers, and a couple like, we're getting Jordan back, and we're getting Shannon Osika, who's been in the pro scene for you know five six years already but they haven't got like that big like boom i mean i guess technically i guess they did take someone from bowerman and sinclair johnson but sinclair johnson isn't really bowerman in my mind she was there for a year or two like mm-hmm. taking someone like a Krisha schweizer or at least cranny that would be a big like boom. right saying the word boom they made, a lot they made teams <laughs> you're just you're just like a, a, a cooking show host at this point. I think it's interesting yeah. the different tactics between getting somebody who, and they'll probably get a recent college grad as well too, once the college season ends, but that versus getting someone who's in their late 20s who's trying to get that extra boost to get over the top. It's just a different approach that I think is interesting. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I have another topic we can talk about. Sure. So, do a little preview of the greatest cross-country show that ever lived, NCAA Flow Track. Goes out every Tuesday on YouTube, the main Flow Track YouTube channel. Uh, this past Tuesday, I talked about tiering the teams and seeing kind of who I think is contenders, pretenders, etc., but as you know, we just had Nutty Comb and Prenats, which is a big qualifying type meet. So the question is, who are going to be the 31 teams that actually go to Tallahassee in November? And so I busted out the Colos calculator, dusted it off, started it up, and there's some interesting there's some interesting team results that I'm seeing for the first round of who right now is projected to go to NCAAs. And I want to talk a little bit about 
we'll, 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 I'll hammer it more next Tuesday when we go through the whole list of 31 on both men's and women's sides. But on the women's side, there's a regional that could have eight teams qualify. Can you guess the regional? You probably mm. can. can you guess eight the teams qualify from a region. Is it West? So that's you showing your Oregon bias, but actually West, I have only having two. So they're actually okay. Hold on, not let me get another guess. Great Lakes. Okay, you're really bad this game. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It's like the three of the best four teams. Yeah, Mountain. So Mountain right now. Boom! Three guesses. It only took me three guesses. Yeah, there's there's nine regions, so it took you thirty three. You got three of the nine. Opportunities. Anyway, uh, the mountain region, Colorado, BYU, and New Mexico, obviously, right? Two of those three will be top two. The other third one will just get in, obviously, with like a million points. But then the Utah women, remember, they got second at pre-nat, so they've beaten a lot of people. Northern Arizona women, the Weber State women, the Colorado State women, and the Utah State women. I'm seeing eight teams make it out of the region. And I tried to reach out to a couple of coaches to see if that's a record. They didn't know, but I don't know if they can think of a, a region having nine in the recent history. So I think if it happens, if New Mexico, BYU, Colorado, Utah, Northern Arizona, Weber State, Colorado State, and Utah State all qualify, it could be a record for most teams from a single region going to NCAAs. Oh, mountain. That was interesting. Stand up, mountain region fans out there. This is your year. This is your time. The air is thin and the earths are plentiful. Tallahassee. So the, the, there is a, not a negative consequence, but a domino effect of the situation. So if we do get eight teams from the women to qualify from the mountain region, there's a strong chance likely they won't get four um, individual qualifiers because individual qualifiers need to finish top 25 in their region. And if eight of the teams are going, the odds of four individuals from not those teams being in the top 25 is going to be hard, which means that opens up four more slots into the other regions to get more individual qualifiers. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Anyway. Which is where the West comes in. Like I said, West, 18. there you go. The West. That's a bad, in retrospect, that's a bad pick now that I just think about it. I'm just thinking about the top 25 in my head. I don't really know why I went with the West. And then I went with the Great Lakes to overcompensate. Great Lakes, though, like Big Ten is always solid. Big Ten always sends a bunch of teams. So that's why I went there. And I didn't think yeah, you'd bring Lakes, it up if it was the mountain. I have four. four great I was trying to be a contrarian because I thought, oh, there's no way he's bringing it up if it's just the mountain. So that's why I thought, oh, he's bringing it up because it's a different te- a different region than we're thinking of. But I should have just trusted my gut. Should have trusted my gut. So who are the eight again? Can you read through them again? BYU, New Mexico, Colorado, Utah. Those are like the top true four. And then NAU. Weber State, Colorado State, and Utah State. Mm. Lots from the state. Is that four from the state of Utah? 
that's pre- that'd be pretty crazy. Utah, Utah State, BYU, and yeah. Weber State. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Bring up Beehive State, State rankings. Beehive State. The they're air is thin. More, they're going to be more. But the births are plentiful. Donovan Mitchell. I can see Rudy Gobert. Where are you at? We're going to have. We're going to have more te- women's teams from the state of Utah than from the state of California. Whoa. Whoa. Big. <laughs> That's Big. crazy. What does that say about where we are? Interesting. Interesting indeed. Um, You're right. Wow. Some state rivalries there. I like it, Gordon. Very good. Very good. <laughs> uh, do you want to read some of these emails? Let's do it. So... You can read. Let's You're go the into the, the group. email inbox. Yeah, yeah. Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com is the email address. Uh, Jacob suggests get people interested in Eugene 2022 advertising some sort of betting similar to how Gordon did it during the Olympics. What do you think, Gordon? Um, we should we should get uh, some partnerships with some big bet groups. And uh, I can go on and I can do all the betting content you need for all the crazy uh single day parlays that I'll go all in on, you know, have the Gordon Max specials boost the odds. I'm willing, I'm willing to partner. I'll, I'll be your spokesperson for Gene 2020 uh, gambling. Have you been watching we'll like baseball? A, I've been watching a little bit of baseball. I'm kind of baseball is dead to me because what the Phillies do to me every year for the past like 15 years. But yeah, I watch a little bit of baseball. Sometimes what? when a player comes up to bat, they'll say they'll put up the betting odds they hit a home run right there on the screen because they've partnered with a betting service. And I'm just thinking about that in track and field. They go to the start line in the hundred, like winning time, sub nine eight, minus two fifty right now. If you want to get in on the action. That'd be awesome. It, 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 It'd be easy to pull off. Again, you have to have a certain volume of bets to make it worthwhile, but there's no shortage of opportunities there. The general public. Yeah, I mean, betting, I would love the the whole betting time situation. Like, especially like in a 1500, because you're like, all right, right, on a tactical race or like a fast race, that would be fun to bet like winning time. And there's just so many opportunities to like get mainly two things picking winners and picking people who are metal but there's so many other permutations of how to bet a race that'll be so much fun to watch and is gambling legal is sports gambling legal in Oregon yeah because the Oregon lottery put out a bunch of those odds for the Olympics so I think they're fine to do it I just don't know the what surprised me with the baseball stuff is that the broadcast partner was doing the advertising for it because obviously they're getting paid to do it. So this is the, these are the American league and national league championship series. These are big moments and these batters are coming up to bat. And then on the screen are betting odds that they'll get a hit or that they'll get a home run. So I think part of it is just dictated by does the network broadcasting your event have a partnership with one of these, you know, betting apps that would allow it because if they have that, I don't think there's any, there's any sort of issue with doing it at that point. Yeah. I do. If I, if they did partner with me to like uh, 
be the, the spokesperson for gambling. There definitely will be a Gordon Max special where it's plus 277. Uh, so that people can win back the amount of money that I lost in the Olympics. <laughs> That's going to be the gamble 100 bucks just win a- back Gordon's lo- losses. It's just a whole bunch of th- uh, three-person parlays that you did that you thought were locks, and then yeah. they came down to the last person, and the favorite got upset. That's the Gordon Mac special. All right, dude. Next I could have email. like two thousand dollars if it wasn't for Johannes Vetter and Grant Holloway. The two most lock of all locks are the reason why I'm in debt. Yeah, Vetter. I it's think okay. we just we did, we described Vetter on the preview pod. I think as the lock of all locks. No way this guy loses. He just. That was bad. That was bad. Okay. Uh, Jerry writes in uh, an idea to promote track pre-2022 Worlds. He says, a month before the champs have a meet to determine the world's greatest runner, jumper, and thrower. So three separate categories. Select the best eight athletes in each of these three categories to compete over four events. Okay. So he's combining them. The winner to be determined by World Athletics point system. The meet is to be run over two days. On a weekend, ideally, this would be a Friday night and a Sunday twilight meets. The eight best runners to compete over 800 mile 3K or to make it really interesting, 3K steeple and then the 5K. Um, so then he says the eight best throwers and jumpers to compete in four of their disciplines, males and females to compete at different times during the meet. Um, the two weeks before Eugene Champs, the world's best sprinter meet is held. At this meet, the eight best male and eight best female sprinters compete in the one, two, three, and the four. Again, the winners determined by the World Athletics point system, potentially an issue of points don't exist for the 300. The meet would be two and a half to three hours, given the sprinters about 45 minutes rest between each event. The space would be filled with other events and athletes having their final lead up pre-world champs. The athletes that miss out are the hurdles, hurdlers and the steeples. Option for them would be to compete together in these events, high hurdles, low hurdles, and then the 2K steeple at the world's best sprinter meet. The winner gets crowned as the world's greatest hurdler. So this is interesting because it's a play on a question you always asked of if you had a sprint meet right now, where, where who'd you put in it? You said like Curly, Lyles, Norman, Bednarik in the one, two, three, and the four. I think you, you might've just said one, two, four, who would win? So it's, it's touching on something that we've said we're interested in already. I don't know how well it would work for the, the distance events, but for the sprints, it would be fun. Because they have that versatility. Yeah, definitely. The versatility. Oh, yeah, one, two, three, four. Because all those people and put Grant Holloway in there too, because he can run a fast four. Could probably still run a fast hundred. Yeah, throw in uh, Ry Benjamin. It would be mm-hmm. fun to have like the same athletes all compete in like four different events, and then it's like it's kind of like a half of a decathlon, but all focused on what they're actually good at, which is like all in the same category. Um, that would be cool because then you have like you have like people winning and then losing to each other. It's not just a one race and it's over. It's more than just two where there's not just a double. Like I think that would be fun. I th- yeah, and maybe like they try to make it interesting where they run the one, two, and three first, and then based off of how those go, you kind of stagger them in the four hundred according to mm-hmm. you get like a certain meter lead yeah. based off of how you did in the other two. So then basically the winner of the 400 wins the whole thing. You do the same thing for a 5k, right? You get a, a lead based off of how you do in the eight mile and three K. That'll be fun. Yeah. 
again, the thing is having familiar names compete frequently, I think is a recipe for getting people excited. And it's tough because track wants to include everybody, but, and people often specialize, but I think seeing the same people compete over and over again, at least throughout a year is not a bad thing. Track purists are like, well, we're getting bored of that same matchup, but if it's a good race and good competition and and the, the people have interesting personalities, I think you could catch on. Like on the women's side, if you had, you know, Richardson competing frequently, it would be amazing. This lends itself perfectly to the men right now, though, because we happen to have guys who are good at the one and the four and and at the, the two and the one. So it just, it just sets up perfectly for the current crop of U.S. sprinters. All right, so let's do a virtual meet right now. All right. We've got the eight best male distance runners from 800 to 5K. I think, would we both agree that Jakob Ingebrigtsen would win this competition? 800 to 5K? Yes. Jakob's Eight mile, 3K, and 5K. Yeah. yeah. I agree. And then Safan Hassan would win, right? <laughs> she'd win every event involved in it. <laughs> Not only would she win the overall title, she'd win every single race contained within. The men's sprints... I, when you asked me a couple months ago, I said Curly. I'll still stick with Curly right now as a top guy. It would be fun, though. It would be fun to see people who don't even run those events primarily, like a Benjamin or Holloway, mix it up in there. It would be cool to see what Lyles could do in a quarter. It would be good to see what Michael Norman could do, strength over all three events. But I would take Curly right now. I would take Curly. But I wouldn't be surprised if Ben Narek would win. Better than last quarter. He just hasn't done it since college. And Ben Narek is better than under it. So you have to think. Yeah, that's true. Curly would get him in the one. Ben Narek would get him in the two. That 300 would come down. I think it's kind of even in the four, even though Curly should get him in the four. But Curly hasn't been yeah. training like a 400-meter runner for the past year. So maybe I'll give advantage Curly in the four. But then in the three, I would give advantage Benaric. So I could see it going Curly win the one yeah. and the four, Benaric win the two and the three. And then it's going to be, be so weird places of other people. Yeah. To have one person win the 100 and the 400 and have another person win the two and the three. I can see the scenario. I don't think you're just making it up just to be a contrarian. Yeah. I could actually see that. That playing out. Yeah, but Nair could be a good pick. And if we go international here, I mean, it'd be fun to see DeGrasse in here too, push his range. On the women's side, I think Elaine Thompson, hurrah, would accrue enough points, but someone like Sharika Jackson, who's got history as a 400-meter runner, would be a threat too, and and Christina Mboma too. And I wouldn't want to do it off of points. I would want to just do it off of place. I don't okay. care if you win by an inch or a mile. I, you get the same amount because then it becomes like it weights them too much. Like you just want to wait a win as a win, no matter if you're running fast or slow. So that's how I would look at it. Did you just quote the fast and the furious there? Hell yeah. Vin Diesel. He's okay. my, I got a poster of him on my wall. I'm just kidding. I do not have a poster of Vin Diesel on my wall, but there are people out there who cool. probably do have posters of Vin Diesel on their walls. And you think about it for a little bit. 
And there's probably someone who got it on their wall when they're in 2001 and it's still on their wall. And they're now thinking to themselves, I think it's time to retire Vin Diesel from my wall. No, he's still making movies and he still doesn't care if you win by an inch or a mile. All he cares about is, is the course 54 meters short? Because if so, it doesn't count. But he doesn't care about the inch or a mile. Doesn't count. Not not one little bit. Uh, So women... Women, would you go with Sharika Jackson or would you go with Thompson Hurrah? Uh, I mean, Gabby Thomas would be interesting for the U.S. Miller Weibo would be. This is this needs to happen. The more I talk about this, the more exciting it gets. I mean, McLaughlin would be fun. Yeah, throwing Allison Felix, she can try to run with the young young bucks. I don't. I mean, Christine. And Boma would be the best, but I'm not sure if she's going to be allowed. No, in this situation, she's allowed because we're we're the commissioners. It's, we're making up the meme. And yeah, Chris, we're making up this meme. Christine and Boma can definitely run the 400 in this situation. Yeah, just basically, I want to see a group of runners compete in four different events over the same weekend, and it's like just kind of enclosed, you know? Because yeah. it'll be yeah. kind of be cool. Yeah, like and find a way to get like. Do like a four, eight, f- 15 or like, yeah, four, eight. F- to be honest, I mean, that's fine. I mean, that's like, fine. Like- that's just weird though. That's kind of, I feel like with this current group of sprinters, it would be meaningful. I, watching Ingerbritsen run would be fun or watching a manual career or a thing Mo run those events would be fun. But I think for the sprinters, it would force them to run events or get pushed in events that they haven't before. And they would reveal themselves as being ex- insane talents in those events. I, so I want to, I have genuine curiosity on the sprint side, what would happen? That would be my focus. The other stuff would be cool too, adding in distance or whatever hurdles. That's fine. But yeah, invite eight people. Do you do two heats? That way the inside lane isn't that big of a deal in each of these. Or you want to do it all in place? No. So you couldn't, I guess. No, you gotta let people be on the inside lane. It's just random draw. You got luck. It's uh, sorry, bad draw. You're on the inside. You're only on the inside lane for one of the four events. So you have to be in lane one or two for one event. But then if you're once you're in lane one or two for one event, then switch. I guess, except for the hundred, because that doesn't well, matter. Well, the two hundred would be the would be tough. I mean, yeah, the hundred don't matter. 300, you get two straightaways in one curve. I wonder if there's a way. You run fast. World records you do the 100 first. In, well, outside in that. Inside is where it, it screws you. But I'm saying, what if you go, what if you run the 100 and use that to seed? So you don't have sure. any complaints at that point. You well, we need to make this happen. So how do we make this happen? So when would people be willing to do it is the big question. Call all the people. I'm sorry. Your, who, like, who, who's the... Who's the fastest person in your phone? Call them. And then just start it there. Text them. DM them. Do whatever I, you I, do. I'll, do, I'll do that. Here's the thing, though. Like, the people that, that are in charge try to come up with these ideas. Like, they did that USA versus Europe competition. Remember that? They made, like, a fake yeah. USA versus Europe yeah. dual meet. Um, and they try to do these little things. Obviously, World Relays is kind of like a way of doing something like this. But just finding a way to do an invitational where we take the eight best female sprinters and the eight best male sprinters 
and have them do this four race competition each over, yeah. I guess, would you do it over a, a two day competition? Oh. Two days. I'd say you do it over two, two days. days. Two days. Yeah. Yeah. How much money of a parent's fee would you need to give these 16 athletes for them to actually go all in? Not only a parent's fee to like try and then winning fee. Basically, it wouldn't be a parent's fee. It would be like you get this much for eighth, this much for seventh, this much for sixth. So like if you finish dead last, that's your parent's fee basically. What? How much money do you think we would need to put in for these athletes to try? Are we saying this is after the season? So this no, is we're saying two this weeks, is two weeks post world championships. Sure. Yeah. So world championships okay. is in, in July. So this is like in, in place of a world championships final, and a diamond league final. Yeah. yeah. Between this yeah. and a diamond league final. Would a hundred thousand dollars for the winner be enough? I think so. No, I think it's gotta be, I think it's gotta be more, but I think it'd be less than a million. I Dude, think what you, you do like is you st- 50, 20 K for a diamond league victory or 10 K for a diamond league victory. Yeah. I think they'd be worried about injuries because they're doing four events. I think what you do is you do an appearance fee. You do a bonus for each event. So every event winner gets money and then the overall winner, there's a massive, massive prize, but to keep people invested all the way through, you do an individual event race. So say there's a, say the 200 is last, or you're saying the 400 is last you want to make sure that the 400 runners who are at way out of it still give it everything they got in the quarter, they, they get the event bonus as well too. That's what I would do. Well, no, but you want to make it so you're still fighting to get to fourth place over fifth place. Like you need to say you get 10 more grand well, for right. every place. Sure, but you also get like, the, the winning bonus. Yeah. What if it was like you Ooh, get 100 grand for a win, 80 grand for second, 60 for third, 40 for fourth, and then 30, 25, 20, 10. So 10, you get 10 grand if you get dead last. Yeah, just add another zero on that and we're all good. That does not enough, that, that money doesn't exist. Yeah, I know. But I'm saying this would be the most watched thing. Because you could, you, oh my, the more, and more I think about here's it, the thing, it though. this needs to happen. This needs to happen. Here's, here's, my, here's my thing, though. I think. Adding another zero obviously is an extreme amount of money, but a lot of money gets poured into things that are supposed to be multi-year things that never happen or they flame out after a little bit. This would be a short term. This is just going to be a huge influx for a one-time event. We're not trying to make this a thing that happens every year. It's just going to be cheer, you know, and it would just take some super rich person who's obsessed with track and field to make it happen. Who, what would be right now the eight invites? So let's do the men first. Okay. I'll write these down. We got Curly. Invite Fred Curly, Noah Lyles, Andre DeGrasse, mm-hmm. Kenny Benerick, Kenny B. Michael Norman. Rye Benjamin. So at six. And then the final two. Hmm. You I was you gonna say Trayvon, but I don't think Trey I don't think Trayvon should 
Oh, Grant Holloway. Yes, Grant Holloway. So we're at seven. And then the eighth spot, uh, we let a local runner compete just so we can see how fast no, we don't. really are. No, we don't. No. We don't do that. No. Uh, War the spot, I was thinking Warholm, but Warholm isn't running fast in the 100. Like, it's just you want someone who can be competitive in all of them. Like, Arian Knighton? Just throwing out names here. Knighton, can you do a 400? Anybody can do a 400. Uh, Marcel Jacobs. I guess we'll do, we'll do, we'll do, ooh, this is what we could we'll leave do. leave it open. No, this is what you do. Leave it open. No, I got it. I got it. I changed, I changed my idea. All right. So you have, you have the seven and then you have the wild card to screw it up. So you put Trayvon or I guess Marcel Jacobs, but Marcel, we're going to put Trayvon. Put Trayvon who only gets to run the hundred, the 200 you have, um, Who's like oh, a, you have someone come off the bench. Yeah, you just have a person who's just only running that one event. Oh, okay. So who would be? Yeah, it's only a, who's only running the three hundred. You you put Warholm in the three hundred. You uh, put like Knight four hundred. You put put Knighton in the two, and then the four hundred. You put uh, Gardner, Stephen Gardner. Gardner. So you have yeah. they're there to kind of mess it with it, right? So it's like, hey, if you want to win. There's going to be a Trayvon in your race. There's going to be a Knighton in your race. There's going to be a Warholm in your race. Or there's going to be a Gardner in your race. Gotcha. So that's better. So you have gotcha. the four people who just do the one race. And they can still win to get the bonus, whatever, for their one race. And then the seven people are doing the all four races. All right. And then on the women, we do Elaine Thompson-Hurrah. We do Sharika Jackson. Did we do Shelly Ann? Mm -hmm. Hold off on Shelly Ann. Shelly Ann might okay. be my individual that you throw in. So Sharika, Elaine Thompson. Shawna Miller-Webo, right? Shawna Miller-Webo. You have to. If someone's yeah, good, at, really good at, at two events, right? Like you, you kind of yeah. have to include them. Mboma. Christine Mboma. Abby Thomas. Abby Thomas. So that's five. five. We need two more. Sydney. Um, Sydney, yes. And then you go. I guess Shelly. Felix. In. Put Shelly in. Do you go Fraser Price? Okay. You go Shelly in. So those are seven. And then you have Felix just do the four hundred. You have Shakari in the hundred. Shakari in the hundred. Two hundred. Do like I guess Prandini. Oh no! Let me, uh, let, me, let me look at Dean Asher Smith. Put okay. Dean Asher Smith in the two, and then in the three. Oh, Paulino. Uh, Paulino, yeah, sure. Silver, silver medalist in the. Boom. In the four hundred. Dude, this All is right. perfect. Good. I'm loving this. Figured it out. I figured right. it out. Let's send the invites. This is I forgot the pay structure. Right. A lot of money, just a ton of money. But this is well, the next time we have a test. Any... We do we do it with the sprinters, and then if it's successful, 
we run it back and we do a, a round with the distance athletes. So what we need to do is get one of these people on the show and just ask them what it would cost to get them to we'll do something do like this and then use that as the baseline. Yeah. And then we need to multiply that. I do by think there's a number. 16. Of course there's a number. There's, there's a, a number for everybody. But, yes. But 100%. is there a number that everyone will be willing to like go with? Like, I'm sure you could be like, hey, Gabby Thomas, if we give you this number, will you do it? She's like, yeah. But then when you go to Shelly Ann, she's going to be like, no. Right. There's but there's no, a like, number. But if Shelly Ann says yes to it, then everybody else is going to say yes to it or whatever. Yeah. Whoever but it has to be the highest number asked, that someone agrees to. Yeah. It has to be equal for everyone. Yeah. yeah. 100%. 100%. I just think there's enough money other than giving up a shot at an Olympic gold or a world championship gold, every other meet or every other thing is negotiable at that point. And there's a price for all of it. There's probably a price for an Olympic gold, but it's, it's a number that's so big that it's not even worth talking about, but there's a number out there where you can get a, all these people together to do this for sure. I mean, the ideal situation would be if we're talking about promo for worlds 2022, which is where this conversation started is this would happen a month or so before world championships, but I don't think that'd be realistic. I think a better way to get it done would be to doing, doing it after because they wouldn't be worried about yeah, getting hurt. You got to do it after Worlds, but not too far after where they're kind of just there to like celebrate, you know? You want them to actually care about winning and losing. Yeah, we might so. need to make the men's field more international. We only have DeGrasse in there internationally, whereas on the women's side, we only have... Uh, two Americans in there total. Yeah, but like, I mean, if we're just going to be honest, it's, it's kind of. Yeah, I mean, maybe take out right Trayvon now. and let Marcel Jacobs be the 100. But you got to have Trayvon in there, man. Come on. Trayvon's good. Yeah. Well, I wasn't counting the wild cards at this point. Yeah. The wild cards are more international. I like the idea of the wild card, like too, because then it's like, all right. Warholms get is added to the field. Okay, now Allison Felix is added to the field. Okay, now you know. And they don't know who it the is. Field. They don't know Ooh. who it is. They it's just show up. And you're like, oh. runner, and they're in the middle. They're in like the middle lane. So they're like, what? Oh, it's a masked runner. And then they realize, like, who was it? Oh, oh my gosh, it's Carson Warholm. No, we're, and then Ryan we're not go that scares at him. No, We're not okay. turning this into like a Las Vegas magic show. We're, we're keeping okay. the gotta keep the sanctity of the sport at least a little bit alive. No, no bad ideas in the brainstorm, Gordon. We're gonna keep throwing okay, out there. All right, let us know what you think. Flowcheck podcast at gmail.com. That's it for the Friday show. We'll be back again on Monday. If you haven't yet subscribed, please subscribe to the Flowtrack Podcast YouTube channel and also the Flowtrack. YouTube channel where Gordon is putting out his NCAA XC show every week. I'll also have a race breakdown up there looking at Jakob Ingebrigtsen's European indoor record from way back in the winter. Talk about how it reveals something interesting about the, the 1500 right now. So keep it locked on the channels. Thank you to Colt for producing. We'll talk to you guys on Monday.